You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. I'm Sean. I'm one of the elders and one of the preachers here. And uh, it's good to have you with us today. You guys filled out a little bit too. When we first started the service, it was pretty light in here, but we got more people. This is great. Uh, So we've been uh, in our series here now for one week. We took this brief pause from our series in the book of John uh, for this four-week sermon series. We are going to return to John at the end of October and finish out the book of John, but we've started this four-week sermon series, and I had several people this week uh, come to me and say, you know, Sean, it seems a little bit weird that we stopped. Why did we stop doing John? Why are we doing this other series now? What what is it that we're doing? And so I feel like if if a few people thought that, maybe, maybe you thought that too. And so what I would like to do is maybe just spend a few minutes um, clarifying and sort of resetting what we're doing and why we're doing it, okay? So be a little bit longer time at the start here, but I promise you we're going to get to the word as well. But I want to spend a few minutes just clarifying. And so we're doing this series, um, and it's called uh, Advent Conspiracy, basically, as you can see. And so uh, the, the reason why is to understand the language behind it. And the word Advent just means the arrival. And so, of course, at Christmas, we're celebrating the arrival of, of Jesus, And typically, the weeks leading up to Christmas, um, during the Advent season, Thanksgiving, usually through Christmas, uh, we spend time doing what? Making preparations, right? We spend time uh, shopping and buying and wrapping and cooking and hanging out with people we love and and doing all of these things, decorating, all kinds of good things to do. And the heart behind the series, the reason why we're doing it now is because we wanted to be out ahead of that season. Because what we wanted for all of us to be able to do is to really prepare our hearts for that season of preparation so that we can really enjoy that season really to the fullest. Does that make sense to everybody? That's, That's why we're doing that right now. The other reason is, is because if it's not too early for Christmas at Costco, why not we do it in the church too, you know? I mean... You've been there. You've seen the stuff. It's great. All right. So we found this tool called Advent Conspiracy. Um, Like Gabe said last week, this is something that started back in 2006. And it really is a refocusing of our hearts on the beauty and the wonder of of Christmas. And the name to me is intriguing, Advent Conspiracy, because sometimes we hear the word conspiracy and we think, gosh, what is that? Well, conspiracy is just a group of people working together for a common goal. A lot of times it's in an evil negative sense, right? Um, But this, we're going to use our powers for good, not evil. And so uh, the Advent Conspiracy is a group of people working together for for this common purpose of helping us to to love Jesus and know him better. And so it's spread throughout the world. Like Gabe said last week, everywhere these red pins are, are our city in the world that uh, is doing Advent Conspiracy in some way or has in some way. So thousands of people, thousands of churches all over the world and the thing about Advent Conspiracy is, is it's really a movement. It's not necessarily a program. And so it's going to look different for, uh, for each individual church and each individual person, family, that kind of thing. And so our goal is not to tell you what to do specifically or exactly how to do it. Our goal is to really help us on these four values. Um, the first one is to worship fully that we looked at last week. Um, and then spend less, give more, and love all. All right. We want to do these things because we want to experience the deep, true, abundant life that Jesus wants us to have as we remember his birth and and his coming to earth. And it really starts with uh, worship because uh, that's this foundation that's sort of built. And all of these other three values, spend less, uh, give more and love all flow out of that heart of worship. And so uh, let's reset for a second. What is worship? 
Um, worship, of course, most often when we're talking about inside of the church, we, we think of it in, in singing songs. And, and that's true. Worship, um, singing songs is one way that we worship. Um, but it's also in, in how we live. It's in how we love. It's in the things that we do and the way that we do them. Um, a singer that I listen to, uh, Sean Groves, he has this, um, this definition of worship that I like. He says, worship is our response to God with all of our lives for all that he has done, is doing, and will do in us, through us, around us, and sometimes even in spite of us. But it's not, it's not just a song. And so when we're singing, when we're worshiping through singing, we are singing, but what we're doing is we're directing our hearts and our adoration toward God. And so when we're praying, when we're talking to God, we're not just talking to God and listening to the Father speak. We're directing our hearts and our adoration toward, toward God. It's also in the things that we do. And so when a mechanic who loves Jesus fixes cars really, really well with excellence and integrity and honesty, and when that mechanic does that because he wants people to have safe and reliable transportation, and he does it because he is motivated by his relationship with Jesus, he's focusing his heart and his adoration on God while he's doing his job. It's one way that he worships. When a mom or a dad are exhausted at the end of their day and they spend time with their children, praying for them, praying over them, reading to them, it's an act of worship. They're focusing their heart and their adoration on, on God. Eric Deanberg, one of our elders, my good brother, he loves to hike and, and snowboard and do all kinds of stuff out in the outdoors. When he climbs up to the top of a mountain, one of the reasons he does it is because he gets to ponder creation and focus his heart and his adoration on the creator. Okay, so worship is all kinds of things. What defines worship is both the motive behind what you're doing and the object of which you're worshiping. And so worship fully at Christmas means uh, we buy gifts and we give gifts and we are directing our hearts to the giver of all good things, of all good gifts. We, we love and we bless and we share and we direct our hearts toward the one who shared everything with us. That's what worshiping at Christmas looks like. We spend time together like a God who never leaves us. We spend time with the family of God. We do all of this to remember the miracle of God coming to earth as a baby to grow up and be our savior. That's what worship looks like at, at Christmas. And so out of that worship flow, these three other values, okay? And today we're going to get to this value of spend less. What does spending less mean? Um, it's interesting when you start talking about money in church because sometimes people have like weird ideas about it and we all have some interesting sort of relationships with money. I do, myself. I grew up pretty poor. Um, we had an outhouse, uh, no indoor plumbing in this sort of shack by the river, um, which was inconvenient, especially if you were sick. Um, so yeah, we just didn't have a lot of money. My parents, they fought about money a lot. I, I heard about money a lot in a negative sense. And so um, for me, I grew up um, and, and, and have now come to a point in my life where honestly, money makes me feel comfortable. Um, I feel more comfortable if I have more money. I also feel more comfortable sometimes with stuff. Some of you are like that. Money and stuff, the possessions, the things that we have can make us feel more comfortable. And I think it comes um, to us that way because of culture and also because of our experiences. Culture spends all kinds of time and energy and indeed money convincing us that if we don't have enough money or stuff or whatever, then something's wrong with us. And so what can happen is, is if we put our minds and our hearts into focusing on those things that culture is selling us, we're really putting our identity into something other than God, something other than Jesus, and we're relying on the world to tell us that we're not enough or that we are enough and to give us approval. But the problem is, is if we don't have enough stuff or money or whatever, then we don't measure up and we feel like something's wrong. 
And so our relationship with, with money is interesting because it can lead to overspending all year, but particularly at Christmas, often overspending, going into debt just to get stuff to help us feel better about ourselves or our family or, or our situation. And so the question then, what do we do about it? It's what Gabe talked about last week. We, out of the book of Romans, learned that we shouldn't be conformed to the patterns of this world. We should be transformed by the renewing of our, of our minds. We do it through the power of the Spirit of God. We do it in community as the family of God. And we do it um, through the Word of God. And so just like you can't find in the Bible how to change or install a garbage disposal, um, it's true, you can't, I've looked, um, you also can't go to the Bible to find exactly what you and your family should spend on Christmas every year. So we're not going to do that. But we are going to talk about, and there are things in the Bible that help us principally to understand what are wise and, way, wise and good ways to live and how we should interact with our stuff. And so we're going to do that. Jesus, in the book of Matthew in chapter 6, he's in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, which just means Jesus is up on this mountainside and he's teaching. He's teaching the disciples and there's also a crowd that's there that is formed and he's teaching them about all kinds of things. He's talking about law and murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and on and on and on, all kinds of stuff. And we come to this section here um, in, in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, where Jesus starts to talk about our treasures, our money and our possessions and what our relationship to them should look like. Okay, and so what I want to do is I want to uh, read the section and then we're going to pray and invite the spirit to work and then, then we'll start to unpack it. So told you it was going to be a while, but Bible, here we go. Matthew six nineteen. do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, let's pray. Father, um, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the sweet time of worship. Thank you for Waldo's story and, Father, how it reminds us that you are a God who saves. Um, what a blessing. Thank you for that. God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would help me now to articulate, God, what your word's saying, the truths of your word. I pray, Spirit, that you would fill me in an overflowing measure. Father, that you would fill this room in an overflowing measure. And Father, uh, God, we would hear from you now. We would hear the words you want spoken. Father, we pray that we would leave here changed because of you. And we pray also, Father, that you would glorify yourself and build your church. So we thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... He starts off here, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Church, we have an insatiable desire as humans to acquire more things. Um, if, if I'm ever wondering if that's true, if I do take a stroll through one of the greatest places, Costco, I can find a hundred things I never knew I wanted, like another pressure washer or a generator or a pack of jerky or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Costco has great, wonderful things. And so it, it's funny when I walk through there because I'm like, I'm a guy that's pretty content with stuff. But when I walk through there, I'm like, ah, that might be nice though. You know, does anybody ever, ever do this? 
Okay, yeah, I know you do. We all do. Um, and so sometimes what happens is, is we can see this stuff and desire it, and, and what it can cause us to do is, is, is want more of it, and so we'll, we'll just throw stuff on a credit card sometimes. And so Jesus here is saying, listen, don't, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store them up in heaven. The other interesting thing about this is those, those two words store up in the original language was actually the word treasure. And so it's a play on words. Literally, he's saying, don't treasure for yourselves treasures on earth. Treasure for yourselves um, treasures in heaven. What Jesus is saying here, don't pay attention to. He's saying, don't adore, don't cherish, don't focus on the stuff that is here on earth. He's saying, focus on, celebrate, enjoy, look forward to that which is coming if you are a follower of Jesus. And he says the reason why to, to not focus on your treasures, treasure your treasures here on earth, because it can be taken away from you. He says moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. The stuff we have can go away. Earlier this spring, my wife and I are uh, wanting to get our yard in better shape. And so we do all kinds of stuff. We spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort. I mow, I edge, I fertilize, I spread bark. Um, we pulled weeds. We uh, fixed, actually, it's a lie. I didn't spread the bark. Somebody else did. But the bark got spread. Um, I fixed the leak in my waterfall. Everything was starting to come together. Like, we're happy. Things are starting to happen. My wife gets some new plants. She got a new tree. And then this guy shows up. <laughs> I don't think it's just this guy. It feels like it's this guy and like his 50 best friends that show up because these guys show up. If that doesn't say vermin, I don't know what is. This thing and all of his buddies show up and thrash my yard. I mean, there's molehills everywhere, everywhere. They're digging up my wife's plants. They're like making these giant tunnels in the bark dust everywhere. And so as the leader and, and, and defender of my home, I did the only thing that seemed reasonable. I declared war on these moles, okay? <laughs> I started off with chemical warfare. I got some poison pellets, and I started digging up the tunnels. I've used them before, and I thought they sort of worked, so I'd very carefully put the poison in the moles. I think it's acting more like power pellets. They seem to be like, thank you. This is delicious. We love this stuff. So then I'm like, okay, clearly this is a powerful enemy. I need to up my game. So I went ahead and, and added some incendiary devices. I found some flares that, that emit this poisonous gas. And so I dug the hole, shoved it in there. It's great. You can see this little wisp of smoke coming out and you're like, you're dying. That's it. They're not dying. They're still there. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I'm like, man, what can I do? One of my favorite shows is Mountain Men. Anybody watch that on History Channel? It's a great show. They have a couple of guys on there that, that uh, set trap lines. And I sort of think of myself as a modern-day suburban mountain man. I even had Carhartts and a flannel shirt. So I'm like, I'm going to set up a trap line. That's what I need to do. So I don't know what I'm doing setting up the trap line. So I consult this local expert. He goes by the name of Dr. Mole Slayer. He's a stallion. Uh, he can kill any mole. He shows me how to set the traps, everything. I can't kill these moles. Like, I literally have not killed one mole. I can't do it. I'm sorry, Dr. Mole Slayer, I've let you down. I'm sad to report they're still thrashing my yard. The great thing is, though, is that I believe with God all things are possible, and so I'm going to stay in this fight until the, the war's won, okay? <laughs> This is exactly what Jesus is talking about. We can look at, we can desire, we can spend money on, we can work toward, we can acquire, and then we can treasure it, and it can be taken away from you. Everything can be taken away from you. If I'm honest with myself, there's parts of my heart and my identity that finds a lot of value and worth in the things I have in my home, in my yard. I find a lot of value and worth in the way that I take care of them. And so if, if my yard looks nice, if my home looks nice, I feel like I'm, I'm a more valuable person or people will think better things of me. 
Isn't it weird the things that go on in our head? Now, listen, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to have a nice home or a nice yard or stuff. You should steward the things that God's given you well, and those things should point you to the giver who gave them to you. It's a good thing to have nice things. But if your heart is treasuring those things, if your heart is, is bought into the fact that they somehow make you more valuable or more worthy, man, our treasure's in the wrong place. Look what Jesus says next. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. It's all about what is my heart focused on? What is my heart worshiping? Because it really flows out from that heart of worship. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Listen, what he's saying here is that the eyes are like headlights or like a a flashlight at night. And what good clear, bright headlights do is they illuminate the path in front of you and they help you to see um, what's good, where you need to go, which is ultimately to stay on the road, right? And so what Jesus is saying here is if we have healthy eyes, it will help us focus on that which will matter and that which will last. And at the Christmas season, it's all about Jesus. It's focusing on Jesus and his glorious, beautiful gospel, that Jesus comes as a baby, that he lives this perfect sinless life. He never sins. He said he died a death that paid this perfect penalty for our sacrifice. He was put in the ground. He ascended, or excuse me, came out of the tomb and, and rose and then ascended and then sent his spirit. This is what the gospel of Jesus is. And at Christmas, healthy eyes will focus us on the gospel of Jesus. Unhealthy eyes, though, like broken headlights, will, will help us to not focus on Jesus. They'll help us focus on where we, sh- we can't see and where we shouldn't want to go. And so during Christmas season, we will treasure the treasures on earth. We will put our focus on our stuff and our money and what people think of us. We will find ourselves overspending and misdirecting our time and our money and our efforts. And it's going to lead to worshiping created things rather than the creator and settling for culture rather than our king. Jesus came for more than that. We have two choices before us, treasuring our treasures on earth or treasuring our treasures in heaven. And Jesus sums it all up with this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to one, love the one and hate the other. I said that backwards. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, and money. Spending less at Christmas is all about focus, and it's all about worship. And so this Christmas season, what is your focus going to be on? Is it going to be on God? Is it going to be on loving and serving and worshiping God? Is it going to be on loving and serving and worshiping um, God in such a way that that's making you love and serve others around you? Is your focus and, 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 and heart going to be focused on enjoying the good gifts that he's given you? Because church, if we are intentional about doing this, if we... Uh, pay attention to what we're doing and where our hearts are. We can spend less this Christmas and instead of being exhausted and dissatisfied and worn out or disappointed, we can have hearts that are full of joy and gratitude and wonder and life. That's what spending less at Christmas is all about. And so it's easy to talk about But how do we do it? And so I want to get real practical now. I'm going to talk through um, seven spending traps, and then we're going to talk through some spending solutions, okay? So first spending trap is the image. It's the desire to keep up. I want you, as we go through this too, think about which one of these traps you step into, because all of us step into some of these traps. Some of us step into all of them, 
okay? So think about it. This image is the desire to keep it up. This is something that's always been something to contend with. Uh, social media, I think, has magnified it because when people are scrolling through their Instagram, their Facebook, um, their Twitter feeds, X now, when they're scrolling through these things, these ads pop up and they're like, oh man, I want that stuff. Even if you're not on social media, if you're just on news feeds and stuff, ads pop up and you're like, man, I, I could use a new tent or whatever it is that, that pops up on your feed, right? And so we desire, we start seeing things that other people have and we feel like we, we want them. We feel like if we don't have them, then something's wrong with us. So we feel like this desire to keep up. It also comes from pressure around us. Um, I didn't think that this was something I struggled with, that this was one of my traps because I don't have any social media. I'm just not on, on the interwebs very often. Um, yes, I said interwebs. Um, but I realized that every Christmas season, I have this, this urge and the desire to keep up. Because when I go to work, I have colleagues there, and they, they always have asked me, even when my kids were little, like, hey, Sean, what did you get the kids for Christmas? You know? I'm like, oh, totally easy. I'll tell you after Christmas morning when I find out, because <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. I'm not. That's totally true. Um, <laughs> But then they'll ask me, like, what did you get your wife for Christmas? And I just feel like, oh, my gosh, it has to be a good enough answer. So I'm like, a pair of shoes and a private jet? I mean, is that, is that good? <laughs> I want to please them, and I want to, I want to look good enough. I have to have a good enough present for my wife, and I don't understand why. Some of us feel this. This is a trap we step into. The second one is closely related. It's believing the lie. Advertisers and manufacturers spend tons and tons of money to make you believe and the loved ones around you believe that you're not going to be happy unless you have what they're selling. And so we believe the lies that they're selling and often what we can end up doing is overspending, sometimes even going into debt. In this day and age of the internet uh, and social media, we have also become the advertisers. And how we've done that is because we have, as a culture, have become so obsessed with, with posting the very perfect picture on our Instagram or on our, our Facebook feeds, Right? That's what we're, we're working to do. And sometimes we forget, this is going to shock you, everything you see online isn't true. <laughs> okay? And so sometimes when we're looking at that perfect photo, we look at it and everybody looks great. They have really cool stuff around them. They look like the happiest, most perfect family. And so our heart's desire then is to spend whatever we have to to somehow achieve that perfect look. But what you can't see is the fractured relationships in that photo that are happening at that very moment or maybe the disappointments that are going on in the room when they took the picture. You can't see any of those things. And so what happens is, is we begin to believe a lie and we end up spending more and more and more to try to get that perfect picture, whatever that looks like. And the problem is, is often we're just chasing a lie. Next one, tradition. It's what we have always done. Some of us grew up in a family that had lots of money, or even if we didn't have lots of money, people just spent money. And so you spend and you spend and you spend, especially at the holidays. It's just kind of been a culture and what you sort of always have done. And so now it's become part of how we operate. Now we've grown to learn to do that, and we're continuing that tradition. Spend, spend, spend. And as a result, it's putting our families in bad situations, more and more debt often. Maybe now we're even teaching the next generation to do the same thing, to spend, 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 spend. This trap um, can, can be really dangerous for us. Some traditions aren't good. Some traditions are really not helpful to us. What about this one? Last minute spenders. This is one I've fallen into uh, as well. What this is is somebody um, like me at times that I'm just not focused, I'm not thinking, and I'm not disciplined enough to plan ahead. I promise you Christmas is coming on December 25th every year. <laughs> we, we know it's coming. 
But, but sometimes we procrastinate these things. We just don't put much thought into it. And so at the end, we spend up rushing out at the last minute, running around trying to find a gift for somebody. We end up buying something, but it's not spending in a way that is thoughtful and meaningful to specially bless someone particular that's close to you because you want to love them. You're just checking a box because it's Christmas and I have to, I have to get them a present. Isn't it the thought that counts? Well, yeah, kind of. You got to put some thought into it for that to be true, right? Sometimes we end up spending money on a gift that they might not want or need, but you've checked the box. The next one's dangerous. More money, more value, more love. Culture and advertisers and sellers can be incredibly manipulative here. I have this friend who went to get an anniversary gift for his wife. So he goes into the jewelry store. This sounds like a joke, but it's not. He goes into the jewelry store, and he, he starts to, like, shop, starts to look for stuff for his wife, and he settles on this pair of earrings. And after he kind of was like, yeah, I'm thinking maybe these are the ones I want. It kind of fits in my budget and whatever. The, the seller starts uh, basically talking to him about like, like, yeah, but look at these, look at these. Everything is way more expensive than what he's spending or what he can spend. And the, the seller starts saying things that are super manipulative, like, man, isn't she worth it, though, to spend a little bit more? Don't you love her more than that? Um, we fall into this trap all year, but especially at Christmas because it causes us to spend unnecessarily and go into debt because we think to ourselves, man, if I spend more, it shows that I love more. It shows more value for the person. Church, hear me clearly right now. There is nothing you could ever buy, regardless of the size of your budget, that will ever come close to the infinite value and worth of the people in your life. Nothing. So don't buy that lie. Don't step into that trap. Listen, it's a good thing to want to give good gifts to the people around you, and you should do that. Matt next week is going to talk about what does it mean to to give more. But the amount you spend says very, very little, and the careful, intentional, personal, and thoughtful way that you spend of a gift for an individual says much, regardless of the cost. Okay? Two Two more traps here. This one is called generous but not wise. There are many of us who do desire to give good gifts to to the people around us, and that's a really good thing. Some of us uh, have a desire to just lavishly buy people things around us that, that we love because we love them. It's a really good motive. It's a really good heart. But sometimes if we're spending money we don't have, it's a really unwise thing to do. I read this story um, years ago in this book called Generous Justice by Tim Keller. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm 99% sure this story comes out of that book, but it's literally been years since I read it. So give me grace if one of you knows, knows this book well. Um, but I read this story about um, this single mom that came to the church needing help. And she needed help with her finances because she was, she was getting evicted from her apartment. She didn't have her rent money. And so the pastors at the church sat down with her, and as they began to unpack her finances to see if they could uh, figure out, you know, how she's spending her money, where it's going, how they can help, they found out that she took the last dollar she had, her rent money, and she bought her son a bicycle. And so the church is, like, sitting with this woman, and they're, they're like, okay, listen, we're, we're looking at your stuff here, but can you tell us, why did you buy your son a bicycle? You spent your rent money on a bicycle for your son. Why would you do that? And tears just started streaming down her face. And she just said, I just, I just wanted one time for my son to feel the delight of a new bicycle, to get to ride around the neighborhood with his friends, and just to get to enjoy a new bike incredibly generous heart of a mom and an incredibly unwise thing to do because then she was potentially putting herself and her son in a worse situation where they were now homeless. Some of us fall into this same trap. Maybe not all of us are in the same position where if we overspend, we're going to lose our home. 
But it's unwise to overspend, 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 to throw things on a credit card because eventually those credit cards are going to add up and the bill is going to come due and you're going to put an undue, unnecessary burden on your family because you were generous, but you were, you were not wise. But it's not only time, or excuse me, it's not only money that we spend, it's also time. The last one is go, 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 go. See, at the Christmas season, for some of us, the thing that we will overspend isn't money. It's time and it's energy. And it starts with the Black Friday riots. I mean, the Black Friday sales. And it continues all the way through New Year's, basically. And so we'll cook and we'll clean and we'll shop and we'll buy and we'll wrap and host and go and do and plan and clean and do all of these things. They're all really good things to do. But sometimes they can leave us sad and exhausted and disappointed. Sometimes it even breeds animosity inside of a family because one person is doing all of the work and no one else seems to appreciate it or want to help. And so they go, 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 go. Um, This is a dangerous trap that that any of us can fall into. And so I want to ask you again, what traps do you fall into? And so I want to talk to some about some solutions now. What are some of the solutions to some of these traps? The first one is to pray. Um, we should be about, as the family of God, asking the Spirit of God to help illuminate and to show in our lives. What traps are we falling into? What traps am I prone to? In a couple minutes here, when we get back to worshiping and singing songs, maybe you just stop and pray right there as the congregation sings around you. Maybe you stop and ask the Lord, Lord, will you show me what traps I fall into, what traps my heart is prone to? Maybe you ask the Spirit of God to help you keep your heart oriented in a place of worship for our King Jesus this Christmas season. Maybe you ask the Spirit of God to help you enjoy him this Christmas more than the distractions of the world. So pray and ask God. But don't just ask God. Seek input from those those around you. This is about asking your family and your friends and the family of God which traps they see you falling into. And so if you're married, sit down with your spouse and have a conversation. What traps do you see me falling into? What traps do I see you falling into? How do we do that as a couple? If you're single, ask those, your, your best friend. Ask your family, whoever's closest to you. Say, listen, I just need, I need your help. What I need you to do is help me see some blind spots about me. Will you be really honest with me and just tell me, what are these traps that I fall into? Also, parents, if you have children, this can be a really good thing to do to discuss in front of and with the kids as a family so that they can begin to understand the traps that they maybe need to avoid. All right, next one, set a budget and expectations. Outlining a clear budget from the beginning, it will help you stay on budget and avoid the overspending that we're prone to do. Um, Sometimes when we overspend, I've done this before as well, I just start racking stuff up through the holiday season. I get to January and I look at the pile and I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I spent that much money. It's easy to do. And so if you set a budget ahead of time and then stick to the budget and track and write things down as you go throughout the the, the holiday season, it's going to be easier to stay on budget. It's going to be a lot easier to help, help you avoid overspending. The other thing we can do is to talk about what's important to us as a family. What are the things as a family that we want to hold on to? But also maybe what are the things as a family that we want to, to let go of? This can help us to avoid overspending in time and efforts and, and busyness. Okay? The next one is to modify or try new traditions. Um, worship team, if you want to come up, I know we're a little early, but we're about to, about to finish here. Um, try uh, or modify new traditions. Um, this is about maybe you have a big family. 
okay? And maybe you've got a lot of people in your family, and in your family, you've always just bought gifts for everybody in the family. That's a lot of money and a lot of effort. Maybe what you do instead is say, listen, everybody's going to come together, and we're going to spend an evening together playing games, singing songs, listening to music, watching a, spe- a special Christmas movie. At, in my family, sometimes we'll have like a gingerbread house-making competition. It's great. We use graham crackers instead, so it's not even really gingerbread. It's easier. Um, it's great. And it doesn't really cost much money, but it's a special, wonderful time. One of the things that my family has done as well is we started drawing names for for the members of the family. Um, This is just with my wife and my kids. And so we draw names, but instead of uh, buying a gift, we have to make a gift for them. Now, for some of you are like, yeah, right on. For others like me, like you're maybe not as creative, and so it's a little harder. You might end up wandering around the Hobby Lobby like an idiot trying to figure out how to make something. Maybe that's happened to me. (laughs) But listen, you'll figure it out. You will figure it out. And I can tell you this, that this has become one of the most incredible, special, um, amazing parts of our Christmas. My family loves this tradition. We all do. We've had some of the greatest gifts. We've also had some of the dumbest gifts that we all just laughed about. And it's great either way. It's wonderful. Okay? Last one is this. And this is just evaluating our motives, our priorities, and our spending. This is about being honest with yourself about where you spend and how you're overspending, and maybe more importantly, why you overspend. And so I just want to ask us a couple of questions here before we start singing again. Uh, The question is this, what is pulling me away from Jesus this Christmas? What is taking us away from Jesus? Are there ways that I'm spending my time and my energy and my money? um, Are those pointing me toward Jesus? Are they pulling me away? And then finally, um, are the ways that I'm spending my time, energy, and money helping me and those around me to remember the gospel, to remember the beautiful gift of Jesus, to remember all that he did for us when he came to, to earth? Is that what our spending is about and focused on this Christmas, okay? All right, let's worship. Uh, listen, if you're new or newer to Grace and just checking things out, right out these doors on the left, there's a Connect kiosk. Some people out there would love to get to meet you and get to uh, talk with you. If you're needing prayer for anything, we've got some prayer teams coming up, I assume. I'm also willing, anybody on the stage willing to pray with you uh, this morning about anything you need. We're talking about Christmas, and so I want to talk about a Christmas story. A couple thousand years ago, our Savior was born. And after he was born, there's these shepherds hanging out, out out in the fields, keeping watch, doing the things with the sheep. And this angel shows up and tells them the savior of the world has been born. They're totally freaked out, as probably I would have been. And right after this, it says this in Luke 2, 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So the shepherds, they hurry off and find Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all of the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Mary treasures Jesus. The angels treasure Jesus. The shepherds, they treasure Jesus. Church, that's what our charge is this Christmas season. It's about worshiping and treasuring Jesus and in doing so, spending less or maybe spending more intentionally about the way we go about celebrating this Christmas season. So my prayer for you, my prayer for myself is that that's what this Advent season would be about for you, treasuring Jesus.
All right, I'm going to pray and, and, and we'll send you out. Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you that we have a God who loves us. Thank you that we have a Savior who died for us. Thank you that we have a Spirit who dwells inside of us. And Father, I pray, God, with all of my friends here, that Father, your Spirit would continue to carry us along. Bring yourself glory. Build your church. We love you, and we are so grateful to be a part of your family, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Grace. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.